What are we discussing on today's podcast, you ask? Well, we might have missed today's pod because of, you know, the holiday that we just had. But don't worry, we didn't forget our crossover with Javier Reyes of Lockdown Padres. He's on to discuss the state of the NL West as always. And we're drafting another draft, drafting the players and teams that have exceeded expectations from the first half of the season. All on today's Locked on Diamondbacks crossover. You are Locked On Padres, your daily San Diego Padres podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day listening to who? Always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer, so please go check out my website, MillerThomas24.myportfolio.com. I'm there. You can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account or look up Locked On Diamondbacks on both Twitter, Instagram for the podcast handle. And of course, thank you for making Locked on Dimebacks, your first listen every day. I would not be able to do this podcast without you, my loyal listeners, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. It's free and available on all platforms, so please continue to tell your friends. And one of those platforms is YouTube, so please hit subscribe on the Locked on Diamondbacks YouTube channel. And today's episode is actually brought to you by Sleeper. Swing for the fences on Sleeper Picks, and you can win up to 100 times your money. Download the Sleeper app and use promo code Locked On, and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for, detail, for details. Currently operational in over 30 states. Check out Sleeper today. Now, without further ado... Let's bring on the man of the hour to discuss the division and do another draft as we always do. Javier is of Lockdown Padre. Pew, pew, pew. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Featuring me with contacts on. Pretty wild stuff. But don't worry, I still have the hat on, uh, listeners and, and who everybody who knows. Don't worry, I still have the hat on. But, uh, you know, just, just, just hanging in there, enjoying the holiday, and hoping that maybe it propels me into being more happy about baseball. I mean, the Padres have won their last uh, couple games. They might be responsible for the death of the Los Angeles Angels, which makes me kind of sad, actually. Um, But at least we're winning. And, you know, that's all you can hope for these days, right? Yeah, and speaking of the NL West and just things going on that division right now, because it's been kind of a weird last couple of weeks for that division because the D-backs haven't been playing good baseball. If you actually look at the D-backs last 20 games, they're 9-11 and 11 during that stretch. But at the same time, the Dodgers are like 5-5 five and five over their last 10, and the Giants are 4-6 and six over the last 10. And it would have been a good time for the Padres to make up some ground there, but they've been 3-7 and seven over the last 10 games as well. So right now, the whole NL West just kind of, in a little bit of a funk, but if the Padres do want to get back in the race and want to make up a little ground, it might be the best time to do it right now when you got the three teams ahead of you struggling a little bit right now. Yeah, I mean, look, that's that's a great point, and this the ebbs and flows of the baseball season, right? It's why you mm-hmm. can't fully give up, uh, despite how hysterical I've been over these past couple weeks, yeah. um, particularly. But, you know, it's just... It's tough. And, and again, I mean, the Angels were looking, the Angels are a good example of this too. They're looking really good. And yes, their division's pretty, pretty strong, but they're, they're playing really well. You have all the Shohei Otani stuff. And, you know, then they come into the series with the Padres where 
they lose the first game and Mike Trout gets hurt. He's at four to eight weeks. I think that got announced actually a little bit before we even started recording this. And then you have Shohei Otani who had to get pulled out of the second game of his start with like a blister kind of issue. And they don't know if he's going to miss the all-star game really rough stuff for the angels. So uh, this is all to say that fortunes can change very quickly in baseball. The vibe can change very quickly. There's a reason why everyone jokes about how it's just like you win one game. You're like, we're back, you know, like immediately. That's what it feels like. But uh, in fairness to justify, if there were to be a turnaround for the Padres, they certainly have the talent for it. Uh, it would not be out of nowhere for guys like Xander Bogarts and Soto and May Machado to really, you know, kick it into gear, even a Cronenworth type, you know, for them, for them to play better. Like if I told you at the end of the season, all the, all those guys kicked it up a notch in the second half, that wouldn't be that surprising. So I think that's, that's the small grain of hope I have for Padres fans. What about you, man? Yeah, I'm definitely someone that rides the emotional roller coaster after every D-backs win. I think mm-hmm. we're winning the World Series. And then after every loss, I'm like, all right, we might not even make it to the postseason this year. So I'm definitely a person <laughs> that to like relax a little bit more um, because baseball is played every day. So it, it's easy to either turn me up or turn me down just because I always have to watch this every day. And sometimes it gets super stressful um, when you're going through something like that every day. Very, very traumatic what the baseball season does to us. But talking about the Angels, I mean – I've been talking with Sully Baseball on our pod just about how, you know, these next few weeks are probably the biggest pitchfork potentially in Angels history because mm. if you're still in it in the wild card mix and the playoff mix come the deadline, then maybe you get aggressive and really try to push all your chips in, really show to uh, show Otani that you're committed to building a winning environment. But now it's like Trout might be out two months. Maybe Otani misses, you know, a, a turn or two in the rotation. If all of a sudden the Angels go into a little slide, entering the deadline, maybe they're like all of a sudden nine games back of the division, maybe like five, six games back of a wild card spot. Like, is it time to like pack up your bags if you're the Angels and reevaluate how you expected the rest of the season to go and even start thinking about, you know what, maybe it's time we have to start fielding those Otani offers because it doesn't look like our playoff hopes are going to be you know, in lock with Mike Trout potentially missing two months. And then is Otani want, is he going to want to stay on a team that misses the postseason another year? I mean, it's such a good division. I feel bad. I really do feel bad for the angels. I know our boy, Stephen A. Smith, just going off on how nobody cares about the angels, which is a questionable take to have as like, when you rarely talk about baseball on that show. And then you're like, (laughs) all right, here's my take. No one cares about that team. It's like, all right, dude, like, Great, great angle, I guess, sort of. I've heard that before. Um, it's just like the, the proud ignorance is a weird take sometimes that mm. uh, people have of every sport. It happens literally all the time in every sport, particularly uh, baseball, I feel. But I just think, um, yeah, I mean, the Angels, It's they had like a 20% chance to make the postseason anyway. Part of that being the Rangers just being so, so good. I think Seattle's my big bounce back team for this uh, second half, personally. Um, and then you've still got the Astros, obviously the only really bad team there is the A's and they're atrocious, but it's, it's a tough division. So on top of that, on top of how they had to play, you lose these guys. You don't know how long Otani's out, but it makes you wonder. And Hey, if there's anyone who's going to get you a pretty sizable return, it would be this guy. So do they pull the trigger on that? It would make what looks to be in my opinion, anyway, a fairly tame, mild trade deadline. If Shohei Otani starts getting on the block, that that blows everything up. That makes the oh, yeah. Soto trade from last year look like 
not like nothing because they still have the control and all that, but in terms of just the blockbuster, the entertainment value, that's like an NBA quality, like, you know, buzz and drama uh, type of thing. If Shohei Itani were to move, I think it's the savvy move, but I'm not going to blame angels fans or management for being like, wow, we're really going to be remembered as the team that squandered both Mike Trout and Shohei Itani. So I can understand if they just stick it out. But hey, who knows? Um, I'm I'm really I'm really rooting for them though. I want to see Shohei Itani in the postseason. And I just don't even know how you have that trade discussion of a return. Like you pull up that Juan Soto deal, you start with that. You say, look at all these top 100 guys, top blue chip prospects that we got back in that Juan Soto deal. Because I mean, the Nationals got back a bunch with the McKenzie Gores, and you got the Abrams and the James Woods. So if you're like <laughs> trading Otani, you're like, I need your top. 15 prospects in your system right it's like what what what's the value of otani on the trade market it might just be honestly too tough like the smart move might to might be trading otani before he hits free agency because i think if otani does hit free agency i think it's gonna be tough for the angels to bring it back unless they're like here's 750 million over a 10-year period that might be the only way to bring it back because there's nothing they could point to it's not like he could go talk to mike trout and mike trout's gonna give him sound advice as to why he should be an angel going forward you know mike trout might be trying to get out of there after this season too if otani leaves this free agency like that's that's actually a good I would like to know what's going on in Mike Trout's head. I know I always give him crap, but I actually want to know like how he feels about the whole situation. And like, if it's another year where he's mired with injury and the angels leave, like at what point does Mike Trout get fed up? And he's like, we just lost the greatest teammate I ever had. Who was having arguably the greatest season ever. There's no path to us getting better. We're paying Rendon one of the worst contracts in major league baseball. Like at one, at what point does Mike Trout say, I want the faces of this game. I need to pull in the NBA empowerment era. And honestly, just, request a trade out of LA that's what I want to see from Mike Trout that would make me a Mike Trout fan right there it's it's funny because it's like how often do we even see trade requests in baseball never you know what I mean like we never see that and there's a bunch of different reasons for that but yeah maybe pulls like a maybe he's been doing the Damian Lillard thing for too long and now he has to finally ask out I mean it would it would put two stars on the market right so I don't know I mean I just I I remember predicting very funny uh, that I thought that um what's it called um, that I thought Mike Trout, this would be the year he finally snaps as one of my predictions. And I just thought, how how much abuse can one man take? It's a quote, mm-hmm. Mission Impossible Fallout. How many times must this team turn their back on him before he says, I've had enough? It might happen, but I don't know. It's, it's, it's tough. I wish they would from just a appreciator of talent and wanting to see what it looks like if he's on any other team. But sheesh. Um, again, seriously, though. Pour, pouring out for the Angels fans. I'll do it right now. Yeah, okay. Sorry. Sorry, Angels fans. You know, it's post-4th of July. We'll pour Glizzy out for you uh, in the name of Angels fans. Sorry, guys. But, uh, you know, Javi and I now, we're going to do a little draft, drafting the players slash teams. You could do either or that have exceeded expectations for the first half of this season. Mm-hmm. But before we get there, Javi, I first need to tell our listeners about a new sponsor that we now have for the podcast. And I use this for my own fantasy. I'm in a dynasty league on the sleeper app, who is our sponsor to, uh, sponsor today. Um, my sleeper team actually did pretty good last year. We didn't win it all. Mm. Surprise, surprise, Javi. But I did finish top three, did win my money back at least. So in the end, it was a, it was a free season. And uh, sleeper was really helpful with giving me tips and tricks on how to build the best fantasy team and also on sleeper it's also daily fantasy app so you could go on there and place money like right now i'm going on there tonight i'm taking vlad guerrero and aaron 
judge to go yard on the sleeper app because why not? If you want to 100x your money on daily fantasy baseball, Sleeper is now offering up to 100 times payout for up to a 8-pick contest. Choose as many as 8 players that you like and pick more or less on your favorite baseball stats like home runs, strikeouts, hits, and more. Get your picks right and you can win big. You get safe and fast withdrawals. Entries can be made in 30 seconds or less. It's that easy. So go to Sleeper, use promo code Locked On, and you'll get a and you'll get up to a hundred dollar match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Currently operational in over 30 states. So check out Sleeper today. All right, and don't forget you can catch every D-backs and Padres pitch on their hometown broadcast when you download the Sirius XM app and either search up Diamondbacks or Padres. Now, officially back here with Javier Reyes of Lockdown Padres, and it is now time because this is going to be our new weekly thing when you get the crossover with Javier and I. We love doing these little drafts. It's a fun mm-hmm. time. You get to do make up a topic, and you get to just inject your opinion, a little bit of fun into the podcast. You know, not everything has to be super analytical, and we can still get analytical and and, and really get into the nerdy, nitty-gritty stuff, but it also allows us to have a little bit of fun with a sport of baseball that could be black and white. Sometimes so, Javi. For today, I actually have a real quarter. Wow, he did it! Yes, yes. And now (laughs) we're gonna, after learning after last week, learning from our mistakes. Do you want heads or tails? I'm, I'm, I'm sticking with tails. What can I say? I gotta stick with tails. Here we go. All right, I I dropped. I I got it right here. We're gonna flip it over, and it is. Oh, even after the flip, it's a tails for the YouTube audience. So Javi gets the number one pick. There is a clear-cut consensus number one pick of the top player or team that has exceeded expectations for 2023 after the last draft. Sometimes Javi likes to start hot, but then by the end, he's like, ah, do I really want to win this thing? So we'll see how aggressive Javi wants to get on today's draft in terms of winning this thing. (laughs) Javi, start us off. First of all, I appreciate your backwards, like, sneaky way of making fun of me. That was excellent work by you. Thank you. It, it's it's tough because part of me wants to, you know, do I pick a player or a team? Yeah. And tough. I think I'm going to pick a team because I don't think that there's that many teams that are like, oh, my gosh. Like, there's some, like, mildly surprising teams like yours. But I think the Diamondbacks were kind of like a mm. sleeper for a lot of people. So, for me, though, because I think that there's only, like, a couple teams that it fits – I'm going with the Miami Marlins as a whole. Uh, They have to be up there. I think that when you take into account how bad they they splurged last offseason on, in their their, um, relative terms, on on Jorge Soler and Avicel Garcia. And those guys were terrible. Jorge Soler was hurt. Garcia was hurt and terrible when he played. All sorts of things. And then they, they just, they missed on so much, right? And then heading into this year, it's like, yeah, you have the Cy Young guy. But considering that your Cy Young pitcher, who we talked about last week, has been horrid, you would think if I just told you that one factoid, oh my gosh, are they even worse than the Nationals? No, in fact, they've been awesome this year. And a big reason for that, and I think Kim Ang and management deserves a lot of credit, Luis Arias has been great. Jorge Soler, put in just a DH spot, has been great. Brian De La Cruz, I'm saying this because a good friend of mine is a Marlins fan, so I know, unfortunately, way too much about this team. And they've been getting big, big bullpen contributions on guys like A.J. Puck, right? And, 
you know, Jesus Lazardo has been very good for that team. They just have a lot of pieces and a lot of depth led by Arise. And Arise is this super fun player who just gets you four hits every single night. And it's awesome to watch. And I- I'm really amped for them because I think that on paper, that roster was definitely not supposed to be um, as good as it's been. And definitely not in second place in the National League East that has teams like the Phillies and the Mets. Mets being a 100-win team. Phillies making it to the World Series last year. For them to be 50 and 37, I think is absolutely tremendous. And they have such a good vibe to them too. So shouts to the Marlins figuring out ways to get runs and win games. They're my biggest surprise. Don't know if it'll stick for the rest of the season, but as of right now, we're drafting first half. So that's why I'm going to pick the full team, Miami Marlins. Wow. A little, I was a little bit surprised. I think mm-hmm. they're a worthy pick. I do think they're a surprise. I don't know if they're my number one overall pick for surprises. Mm-hmm. A guy like Sully Baseball, he might have told you he had them pick for the postseason entering the season. Mm-hmm. I had very similar thoughts on both the D-backs and Marlins entering the year. I think I like the D-backs more, but I was like, you know what? Marlins are going to be competitive. They're going to have one of the best rotations in the National League. It's all about can that offense get enough runs, and when you got a bat, when you got a guy batting nearly 400, halfway through the season he's going to uh, supplement a lot of that offense so i like the marlins at number one overall i don't think it would have been my pick but yeah they're definitely in consideration as one of the biggest surprises i mean i think the fact that they're in the nl east kind of devalues their like how we view them a little bit because they would lead like five other divisions in major league baseball but because they're in the division (laughs) with like the best team in the atlanta braves it doesn't make them look as high on a pedestal as some other teams who you just see them in first place, even though they may have the same or worse record than the Miami Marlins. So I do like the pick. I just don't know if I would have went with them, number one. But now, whew, number two is actually kind of tough because I thought you would have taken one of these mm-hmm. two. I threw you off. Mind games, ladies and gentlemen. That's how we – you think I don't know how to draft, man? I'm throwing them off. Look at him. He's shaking in his seat. Because now I'm like, you know, I want to go with this one pick. You know, there's one pick I want to mm-hmm. go right here, mm-hmm. you know. But I'm actually going to go not with the heart here. I'm going to go with the brain because I always, I'm i trying to win this thing, Javi. I'm going with the brain. I'm going with a team that it's a little bit recency bias because of how hot they've been over the last month. But I'm going with the Cincinnati Reds who are currently mm-hmm. leading the NL Central. And that was a division where it's like, Coming into the year, we're like, okay, it's the St. Louis Cardinals to lose. Like, we might have thought they were the biggest favorite, not because the Cardinals were the best team, but we just thought the four other teams in that division, at least three of them with the Cubs, the Reds, and the Pirates, are like, those are three teams that are just not going to be in the postseason. And the Brewers, they might try the first half of the season and then come to the deadline, trade away all their starting pitchers. So it was like, there was only one team I was interested in that I respected entering the season. Now I'm looking up and I'm like, the Reds only have three less wins than the D-backs. Ella De La Cruz is probably going to finish runner-up to Corbin Carroll. Like, this Reds team does not have, like, any pitchers. I don't know how they do it, but they score runs. They play a really fun brand of baseball. They're kind of playing all the new baseball metrics with the speed and using a little small ball, getting chaotic on the bases, still playing great defense. So I think the Cincinnati Reds at more than halfway through the season being in first place almost 10 games above 500 i am shocked by this resurgence that they've had this year because i still on paper talent wise i think they're one of the worst teams in major league baseball but yet they're leading their division which i think is absolutely crazy it's a fair pick it's a fair pick i actually <laughs> almost pick. thought um of picking uh what's his face ellie de la cruz and yeah. i know that sounds crazy but just in the sense of how immediately good he's been he just hit a oh, home run. Fair. Actually, I have him in fantasy. 
it just feels like and it's great don't get me wrong but it's like he's like already becoming this like top 20 player that everyone wants on the home run derby so that was a little bit surprising but yeah i mean the reds what i think they deserve a lot of credit for unlike oakland which granted there's a bunch of reasons why this happened cheap ownership blah 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 they rebuilt perfectly uh yes it was unfortunate the way they were competitive and they have this weird obsession with making moves when they're bad but when they're good they don't make moves it's very odd i still haven't figured out what they're uh uh, you know, philosophy is on that, but hey, they rebuilt really well, and they still have guys like Noel V. Marte. Like they still have the 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 fruits of the Luis Castillo trade to be excited about. Not yeah. to mention Ellie Bella Cruz and just good overall vibes entirely. Jonathan India is pretty good. Their pitching staff is interesting, albeit flawed. They're very young, very raw yeah. talent, but that you cannot be happier. Uh, this is like peak but even if they don't make the postseason even if they don't win the division i guarantee you reds fans are already like this is so much more than we could have asked for so i think that they're just having a a good old time so shots yeah i see luke weaver in a playoff rotation which would be absolutely (laughs) disgusting cruz was on my like long list he did make like an honorable mention for me because yeah we talk about we always say one baseball player can't change you know your fortune or your franchise it felt like dela cruz has come up and just ignited that whole thing and sparked that and been the catalyst to that whole offense recently so maybe one guy can at least make a little Mm -hmm. bit of an impact on the entire franchise but who do you got number three javi Number three, I don't think I'm going to go with uh, the the one that you're thinking, but it's it's tough. It's tough, but I think, look, he has had success before, this player. He's had very good success before, specifically, you you know, using the right matchup. This team loves doing platoon matchups. They have a lot of solid players that do well for them. But even still, for a guy who had a 0.2 F4 last year, largely because he was hurt, and even before that, he was a 1.6. I'm going with the San Francisco giant, Mr. Lamont Wade Jr., okay. who is like, look, and again, let me let me stress, like he has been effective in certain situations before, 116 WRC plus two years ago, but last year not as good. And it was like, oh, okay, anybody can have just one good season. But this year, 141 WRC plus, and here's the kicker. What if I told you this man was just, <coughs> wow, look at me, I'm already. Already getting sick just having to say what I'm about to say. What if I told you he was just discount, not without the name brand Juan Soto? This man has a 400 on base right now, 412 to be exact. He's, you know, not slugging the ball as much as Soto, only nine home runs on the season. But the fact that he's, you know, walking nearly as much as he's striking out is incredible, um, given that this is kind of a no name guy and he's been really solid. Don't get me wrong. Again, used in the right matches before. He has been effective. Any Giants fan will probably tell you that, but nonetheless, deserves to be up there. The fact that he is, let me see, I'm actually going to check right now. He is fourth in on-base percentage in Major League Baseball. Like, arise, okay. Soto, yeah, that makes sense. Acuna, that makes sense. Lamont Wade Jr., it's just pretty nuts and is a little bit of this like weird symbolic thing of how things are going for the Padres where they had to give up all this stuff for Soto and the Giants seem to have just plucked someone who, while not as good, as he certainly is worth more in value considering everything that the Padres gave up. And I don't think the giants gave up, you know, all that much for Lamont Wade. Right. So if you look at it from that perspective, I think he's my most surprising batter so far of 2023. Wow. Javi just wants me to win this draft. I don't mind Lamont Wade at all. That was a solid pick. He coming <laughs> off. If you compare him to last year, then yeah, he's having a night and day season, but 
If you go a little baseball reference and just check two years prior, he was an MVP candidate. If you care about 21st in MVP voting tied with Buster Posey and Kevin Gosman, two former. What was Giants. that, 2020? Yeah, 2021 in 109 games. Yeah, yeah, he got one That's vote. Weird. Yeah, That's weird. <laughs> he got one vote. That does not count. How dare you? He got one point. He got one point in the MVP voting. So we're saying an MVP candidate is exceeding expectations by doing what he's already done How before. Don't listen to him, ladies and gentlemen. Don't listen to him. He's trying to sway your opinion. Stop it. That is crazy as the number three pick. Let me go with the correct pick that Javi should have won because, oh, my God. At number two and number four, I'm picking the two best values on the board still. This thing is shaking up just how I wanted to. Now we get to lean into my favorite thing, homerism. Because at the number four slot, I'm drafting my team, the Arizona Dimebacks. And why shouldn't I? Because at game... You're drafting the team. Yeah, I'm taking the whole team. I could have. I have Corbin Carroll on the list. But because he was given a fat contract before the season and every... I thought you were going to go Guriel. That's what I, I thought went. you were going to do. Guriel's a solid pick. Um, I do think he's put up similar numbers. To, I honestly don't even know why he's been voted into all... He has, like, all-star level numbers, but he's put up numbers similar to this before. So I'm surprised mm-hmm. this is, like, the year for him. Um, yeah, even though he point. is having, like, a little bit of a breakout season. But I'm going with the D-backs because entering the year, I did think they were going to take a step forward. But I thought a perfect season for the D-backs was going to be... 500 team just keep me interested august september just keep me four games back with three weeks left to play and i would have been happy from this d-back season but now we're at like what game 85 86 87 we're more than halfway through this thing and the d-backs not commanding lead okay but even after going below 500 in their last 20 games they're still leading this division by a couple games and they're doing it over the Dodgers, the Padres, the Giants, teams that are not afraid to, afraid to spend money. Teams that are not afraid of commitment to winning. Like those are stellar franchises or teams that are putting it all on the line when it comes to putting money on the field. Those guys are not afraid to spend money. Those guys are not afraid to go out there and make a big move in the offseason or a deadline. And the D backs have just been clutching their purse, building this thing homegrown, trying to get the talent through the farm system, and it's worked. They've been hitting on these cheap guys, a couple relievers in free agency. Everything has clicked for the D-backs. So am I surprised that they're having like above 500 season? No, but more than halfway through the year, they look like the second best team in the National League as it currently stands and the best team in the division. I am surprised by that. Got, got Not nothing bad, for me? Sir. Not <laughs> bad at all. Not bad at all. Not, <laughs> Not bad at all. Yeah. Uh, shall I just continue? So you've taken two teams so far, and I've taken a team yeah. and a player. I took the Marlins, and I took Lamont Wade Jr. I think that listeners are going to say that I'm winning currently, but it's okay. We're going to keep yeah. it going. This is tough. This next one's tough, but you know what? I'm following in your steed, and I'm going with some homerism as well. Uh, I'm going with a pitcher. And I was I was going back and forth between I wanted to take this guy or another guy that might get picked later. But I am picking him, and the big reason I'm picking him especially is because I did not think that he was going to be good. Specifically, I said on my podcast, I thought last year, his expected stats, last year, 3.32 ERA. His expected ERA was 4.56. That's a pretty big jump, especially when you consider he is a pitcher that has not been all that great over his career. So it kind of adds up. Michael Waka. 
is who I'm oh, picking um, okay. of the San Diego Padres. 2.84 ERA on the season. That is the 11th best in baseball uh, from what I am looking at behind Garrett Cole and just ahead of Blake Snell. Uh, he, he's been awesome. He's been money. And I think the big thing, I already talked about the expected stats, but the fact that they signed this guy who was somehow still available. Padres had rotation questions. They somehow like just were able to acquire him like two weeks before spring training starts. I think that's added on to it as well. You know, when it's always weird when players, you know, come in late, you know, the NFL, this happens sometimes. You don't feel great about it, that they only just started practicing and all that. Well, that's part of it for Waka and for him to come in and be as dominant as he's been. And I don't think it's all that fluky, really. Yes, he's going to regress a little bit. I don't think this is a Cy Young contender or anything, but he's out pitching some of his metrics. And he's been not very good for so long that I didn't expect him. I thought he was going to fall back to being a low fours ERA guy who can throw innings and be effective at times. His changeup can be really great. But uh, I, I think that just the way he's been, especially for a team that everyone thought was going to have a problem at the back of the rotation. Uh, I got to go Michael Waka. I don't mind Waka at all going there. Um, he is coming off like a pretty solid season for the D-backs already. Mm -hmm. I think in terms of when you think about expectations for Waka, I mean, the fact that he's repeating what he did for the Red Sox, I mean, because this is someone that coming up yeah. when he first broke into the league, we had thought he was going to be a future star star pitcher mm -hmm. and then it was like a few years there where he just kind of fell into mediocrity and he just kind of mm -hmm. fell off the face of the earth it felt like and now he's back and he looks like a stud he's arguably what after Blake Snell would you say he's your second most trustworthy pitcher from what you've seen this year so far I personally still am putting Musgrove up above him but <laughs> I mean I would understand if people wanted to put up Waka instead because he's just been steady the whole way yeah, like if this is your first year watching the Padres, or you're like, oh, yeah. is the second best pitcher we have. That's that. He he is him, as the, yeah. the kids say. He is him. Um, Yeah, I don't mind Waka. First, first pick that I've liked in a while by Javier Reyes um, during this draft. So good job by you, friend. Michael Waka, fantastic. Going number five, but it's coming off a pretty damn good year. So the fact, is it a exceeding expectation when you come off an all-star level year? I don't know. That's for the listeners to decide, I guess. A lot of options for me here at number six. I could go with another team. I could go with my first player as well. I could get kind of crazy with it if I really want to, but I think I will go with a player here i think i will go with a pitcher i'm going with a guy who wasn't maybe if you're a deep baseball nerd if you're a guy who likes prospects and rookies you are in on this guy but this is someone who i think is he lost his rookie eligibility but didn't pitch a ton last season he's going to be a first time all-star this year on a team that's sending like 15 other people but he's the most he's the least well known of this group he wasn't really on my radar entering the year because you had just so many dudes in that lineup. You had the Kyle Wrights and the Max Freeds already in that rotation. But I'm going with Bryce Elder, who has been fantastic mm -hmm. in that Braves. And I think coming into the year, though, yeah. you know, the whole talk in that rotation, if you're talking about a young guy in that rotation popping, it was all Spencer Strider, right? The strikeout phenom, who is having a great season with the strikeouts and everything like that. But you had Freed, you had Wright, you had Spencer Stride. You have three young studs in their prime in that rotation. You even had old man Charlie Morin to round out your top four. But the guy who really didn't get discussed was Bryce Elder. And he's come in and he just looked dominant since day one. He's going to be a first-time all-star. And he's been a huge 
part of why the Braves have been so good this year because the Max Freeds and the Kyle Wrights have been on like 60-day IL for like the entire season, it feels like. Those guys have each only had a handful of starts this year. So if Bryce Elder isn't as good as he is right now, maybe that, that Braves team is still probably leading that division, but maybe it's a neck-and-neck neck race with the Miami Marlins. So I think Bryce Elder has been a huge X-factor for that Braves team this year. I don't think he was on a lot of people's radars as maybe the X-factor for that team. Yeah, I mean, that totally fits. Yes, I could be mean like you and say, oh, you're, wow, you're surprised that the Braves developed more talent. But yeah. I mean, the fact that he's this good so immediately, I think is, no matter who it is, I don't care what team it is, anytime a guy comes up and is good immediately, we see all the time, and you're Anthony Volpe's, right? Like, he came up and he's been showing spark lately, and I think he's going to be a good player, but it just shows you most often, uh, Bobby Witt Jr., who we drafted in our last episode, or at least I did, uh, that's not always immediate. And that's fine. That doesn't mean that Bryce Elder is a stud for 10 years to come. There are plenty of people. Uh, former Padre Will Myers, literally one rookie of the year, right? And he wasn't nearly as productive a player as you would think, given that he was a rookie of the year winner. So I like the pick. It's your first player. May I may I remind the jurors that this man has taken two teams and, and, and questionable teams and not a single player until now. So I'm just throwing it out there. I'm just throwing it out. Look, look at the leader. He's shocked. He's like, what? what? <laughs> Let's hear who you have for number seven, then. Let's hear your unquestioned number seven. It's got to be a guy who has literally been a journeyman for so long, since the age of 21. This guy wasn't even getting luck with the Dodgers, right? I wanted to pick another guy, but I forgot that this guy has been so much better. It is of one of the best teams in baseball, and that is Luke Rayleigh of the Tampa okay. Bay Rays. He has been a stud. 276, 358, 578 slash line. That's a 161 WRC plus. One of the best overall offensive players in baseball. And that is a crazy thing to say. Uh, just flat out, unbelievable stuff. Um, don't get me wrong. The one thing that you could go against this is saying, hey, this is just the classic Rays. Right. The Rays love doing this like all the time, but I don't care. This guy was a journeyman. He was started in the Dodgers when he was 21 years old, left there, went to Minnesota for double A, went back to the Dodgers for half a second, then went back to Minnesota. Then Minnesota began and traded all over the place until eventually ending up with the Rays. And yes, he'd been effective in the minors. So maybe this is one of those guys that people just didn't give a chance. That happens every now and then. Uh, former boy of your team, J.D. Martinez comes to mind a guy who had always been successful but then you know the, the Astros didn't trust him and then finally the Tigers gave him a shot then he goes to Arizona then Boston and the rest is history but uh maybe he's one of those guys it's totally possible uh every now and then even at 28 years old you get late bloomers like this uh so shouts to Luke Rayleigh I think he deserves a lot of credit I was going back between him and somebody else that I might even take after this too but uh yeah man good stuff shouts to Luke Rayleigh my guy that that's a fantastic pick, actually. I'm actually really <laughs> jealous of that one because when you try to filter stat, I don't think he's played enough games, so it actually doesn't qualify yeah. on a lot of mm -hmm. the leaderboards. So he, so I'm saying that in terms of he just he I overlooked him, which I think was a misstep. Yeah, and in fairness, before people freak out, he has played 66 games. I didn't yeah. I didn't just take like a five game sample size no. and freak out. It has been a decent enough, but yes, he doesn't qualify as much as others. No, yeah, he's on that. Uh, he's on one of my fancy teams, and he's been mm. phenomenal for me off the waiver wire. Oh, so yeah. I really, I really respect the Luke Rayleigh pick. I can't even talk any crap on that. And I might go back to back with Tampa Bay Rays players because mm -hmm. there's a couple you could choose here, but 
I don't feel good about that. Like, I don't want to take a play off a team I already drafted either because I could go with Corbin Barrels, but I'm not going to do that. I don't want to draft mm-hmm. any players from teams I took already. But I think I will stay with a player here, and I will take a player off a team you drafted, though, from the Miami Marlins. I will mm-hmm. actually go with Luis Arise, who may you may say he's not exceeding okay. expectations because he was like the AL leader in batting average last yeah. year, 313 or whatever. <laughs> and yeah, you say, yeah. yeah, but he was like a 780 <laughs> OPS guy. Yeah, he batted 313, but if I told you he was going to bat 390 more than halfway mm-hmm. through the season, like if you were like the expectation for him to bat 310, if I'm telling you he's batting the greatest average in the last 200 years of major league baseball with mm-hmm. the 900 plus OPS, all of a sudden he's okay. on base slugging okay. is way You're selling me on it. Yeah. Okay. I think, I think when you <laughs> traded him for Pablo Lopez, you didn't think you were going to get a 400. Yeah. Back. Uh-huh. yeah. 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 Uh-huh. Yeah. So when, you <laughs> add, so when you add that, that magical offensive prowess that he's done this year into that lineup of the Miami Marlins, who we've just discussed is tied with the D backs with 50 wins. I think or rise who we had expectations of, of maybe being like an all-star level player, but now people are like, is he the MVP of the National League or probably runner-up to uh, Ronald Acuna? I don't think anyone would have said he's an MVP finalist just off the season he had last year. I mean, I actually wondered how many MVPs he, MVP votes he got last year. But I think he's greatly exceeded expectations for what we have for Rise entering this year. Totally fair, um, considering just how good he's been, right? And mm-hmm. I think that, again, regardless of what your expectations were and whatnot, um, in a similar vein to regardless of if you were a high prospect, being good immediately is amazing. Regardless of what the guy is hitting 399, like it's just pretty wild. We just don't have players like that anymore. Yes, we have your batting average champions, but just not to this extent where he's just fully bought in. And and I love him because I love that. And we've talked about this before. Like you pull up his stat cast profile, it's not all that impressive looking, but he's a great reason for why stat cast profiles do not tell you the full story. Uh, just a peak, peak example. He's just a hitter's hitter. Um, he's fantastic and a big reason for why the Marlins have been so good. Yeah, I love the beginning, the top half of this draft for me. But I'm not going to lie. The second half of this draft, I think you've taken over, Javi. So how are you going to wrap us up with your last pick? Because I'm a little scared depending <sighs> on who you might pick here. This is tough. Um, there's a couple guys you could go with here. Um, I think that you could go with another Tampa Bay Ray. Mm-hmm. I want to. I want to. But it's not that fun. You know what I mean? It's not fun to go with another Ray. I'll leave him for honorable mentions. Instead, I'm going to go with, I think. Okay. <laughs> I think. I'm 99% here? sure that this is where I'm going, but I just want to check one thing. Okay. I, I think that. Just do it already. This, play, <laughs> this player, <laughs> I think it would shock a lot of people that with their budget, with all the money they've spent, that he, with the exception of one guy who's only played two games, I know look at the I record. Know. I might know. Let me see. It is Tommy Pham okay, of the New York Mets. I am bringing it back to the Padres while also shouting out the Mets. Miller, okay. what if I told you that if you go by WRC+, Plus, that he is currently the leader on the entire Mets team, a team that includes... Brandon Nimmo, Pete Alonzo, Francisco Lindor, Mark Canna, Jeff McNeil, who won the batting title last year, Starling Marte, who was excellent last year as well. I think considering he's been one of the best as of right now, offensive players on that team, Pete Alonzo's great too, don't get me wrong. Like I'm not, it's it's a minuscule difference. Pete Alonzo has a 136, and that's just one area. Hits a lot of clutch home runs, et cetera, et cetera. But 
the fact that he's that good and, and for, for this team, I think is really surprising, especially considering that these past couple years, he has really struggled um, in, in a lot of ways. He struggled with the Padres. Obviously, the whole thing with the Giants was weird. Uh, shout out to Jack Peterson. That was weird. 89 WRC plus last year, 102 in 2021. And most of that came from the first half. I can tell you that as someone who watched the Padres, like he was dreadful in the second half. I think that in the team context is important for this pick too. If this was a random team, I don't think I would have gone with him, but I think considering how many other players are on this team that he's leading them in so many categories, that's, that's going to be my last pick. I went to the D backs versus Mets game on July 4th and saw Tommy fam. But if you ask me just now, what team does Tommy fam play for? I don't think I would have had an answer for you because I still forgot he was playing for the New York <laughs> Mets. and looking at, yeah, he's having a pretty darn good season. His best since 2019. Cause yeah, if you're talking about exceeding expectations, he's been, uh, border. He, he's been a below average, mediocre player for a few seasons now. Pre pan, the last time mm-hmm. Tommy Fan was a good player was pre pandemic, which at this time was a half century, yeah. not half century, a half decade ago. So I, I I would agree, and I think if he's the best player in your team, leading in WRC plus, you probably got to throw out the rest of the team. You're probably a team that needs to tank and try to get that number one draft pick because Tommy Pham should not be your best offensive player unless your team name is like the Oakland A's or something like that. So sorry to the New York Mets fans. Sorry sorry to Stephen Cohen. That man has been signing checks left and right. He has not seen the return. Trying, man. Yeah. Where's the ROI, Stephen? I am so sorry for that. So number nine, Tommy (laughs) Pham. So this is how the draft has went so far. Number one to Javi Marlins. Number two to me, Reds. You, Lamont Wade. Me, D-backs. You, Waka. Me, Elder. You, Lake Re- Lake- Luke Riley. Me, Luis Arise at number eight. Then you, Tommy Pham, number nine. And then number 10 to round out our draft. Whew, we got some We got some options here. Let me give you some honorable mentions of teams and players that I'm not going to choose but are in consideration for this number 10 pick. Um. I mean, I considered Tampa just because of the hot start that they had to the season, the historic start. Mm-hmm. Yandy Diaz, if you're talking about Rays players, yes. mm-hmm. he's been phenomenal. Stroman, just because back to being a Cy Young. I mean, he's coming off a good season, yeah. but back to being a Cy Young, maybe. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. The Corbin yeah. Barrels down. No, the Ranger. Mm-hmm. They spend a lot of money, but they're coming off not a great season. You can okay. put the Giants, maybe, uh, Giants or okay. like Perdomo, maybe. But I'm not going to go with any of those teams. I'm going with the team that entering the season they probably another up. team. I love <laughs> another team. I'm so surprised. Think, yeah, go for it. Yeah, I think teams are more fun. I don't know. It's easier to talk about the team because I don't <laughs> watch. It's not like I'm sitting here watching Luke Rayleigh 162. It's easier for me to. <laughs> <laughs> give an analysis and take about a team than a specific player. So I'm going with a team that propped up three youngsters, rookies entering the year. And so far they're having solid years, but they're not exactly dynamite, but yet they've been able to keep pace with the Tampa Bay Rays and the AL East this whole season. I'm going mm. with the Baltimore Orioles who they had a chance to make okay. the postseason last okay. year. Kinda has the same vibes as the D backs, but still, if you look at that, team on paper in terms of talent entering the year i don't think that was some playoff lock roster or anything like that i think that was a team that was probably between 78 and 85 wins that had potential for more growth to get around 88 and maybe make it into one of those wild 
uh, one of those final wild card spots if they weren't going to trade all their good players at the deadline first. And now the Canoes, the Batistas, they've been really good. Rushman's been solid, but like the Gunnar Hendersons, he's been all right. Yeah. Grayson Rodriguez hasn't exactly popped. So like all yeah. the guys that we were really excited for this year, like they've been just fine. It's been all the other pieces, the Austin Hayes of the world and the yeah. Santander, the Santanders, the Anthony Santanders. I don't know. Mm-hmm. How he's got that name like that, that bank on the East Coast, if you know what I'm talking yeah. about. Um, yeah, so the Orioles are going to be my final pick for this draft just because, I mean, there's 49 wins. They're right there with the D-backs in terms of wins, and they're only like six games back of the race. You started like 59-1 and one to start this yeah. year. So uh, very impressive by the Baltimore Orioles this year. Excellent stuff, man. Do you have any final like honorable mentions you want to shout out? No, I think I think I already named them all as you got any. Maybe Acuna, just because it's such a historic season. But yeah, the, like the, I would say player. if we could do specific, mm-hmm. say like the 40 steals already. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like all, all the stuff he's doing, but specifically the fact that you have that many steals is pretty nuts. Um, I really think that I murdered this draft. I really do. But <laughs> I do have a couple leftovers. I like your yeah, second half. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Um, Yandy Diaz already talked about him. There's a great article for Yahoo Sports talking about, and honestly, it's a great article worth talking about in general, which is kind of like talked about how he he's always been an on-base guy, but he added more power. Uh, and mm-hmm. it's funny because he's this jacked guy, but he's his thing humongous. has always been, he's humongous, but he's, he's and Yandy, I mean, it's a great, great, awesome yeah. guy. But like, he's mostly been batting average on base and there's nothing wrong with that. But it was interesting how the article kind of tested to, he was ready to take that chance with, changing his swing to be more power oriented after he got a little bit of an extension you know what i mean they gave him a contract so maybe that maybe gave him more confidence to maybe change what was working to potentially make him better to take that risk dare i say with his um bad thing so i think there's a lot that people can learn from that little story go check, check that out yahoo sports it's really good uh nate Ivaldi, one of those always had the talent and you always watched him going why isn't this guy good mm-hmm. um except I didn't pick him because he was good last year. He was effective. It feels like the Red Sox fixed him and did some stuff. So I didn't pick him, but even still, he's on there. Cody Ballinger a little bit. A little bit. I know. I know. Yes, he has the standard is so low. <laughs> he, because the standards are so low. He's batting 278 right now or 280 right now with a 338 on base. He has gotten hurt a little bit. 111 WRC+. Again, not that incredible, but considering this guy. I mean, Millard. He had an 83 WRC plus last year and the year before a 47. Like it's, it, he was it's bad worth at least bringing up. It's worth at least bringing up. And then the last one, he's so cool and we like him so much. And he's literally won an MVP before, but still a little bit at this age, Andrew McCutcheon being mm, okay. one of, dare I say the prime like headliners of this year's trade deadline. You know, like he's probably going to be one of the top guys. He's hit really well. He's doing well for a DH. I know that my team could use a DH really badly. Wink, wink. Uh, AJ Preller, if you're going to go for it, I don't think you should, but I think he's going to. Um, and that's kind of the guy to go for. Third on the team in WRC plus, um, basically second, if you don't count Nick Gonzalez, who's played like four games for them. Um, but really good stuff. And it's, it's delightful, too. I like that he's good for them. They deserve something over there. Yeah, for the listeners, if you're trying to decide who won this draft, Javi just gave you a little peek into his psyche, saying a former MVP is exceeding expectations. 
Soccer by Javi. I can't Good believe enough. you tried to pull the, oh, this guy got one MVP vote. You're telling me the former. I was like, what? Look, was look, finish third, first, third, and fifth, and he's exceeding expectations. Andrew McCutcheon, that is Javier Reyes for you of Lockdown Padres. Javi, where can the listeners find you in these wonderful takes and analysis? Waka waka, man. What can I say? Uh, you can find me at Javapeno, J A V I I P E N O, as long as we are permitted to you do that uh, on oh, the old bird app. <sighs> Who knows what's going to happen, but check that out at L O underscore Padres for the Padres account. And, you know, Lockdown Padres on YouTube to see what's going on there. Almost at a thousand subs. So please subscribe. I like seeing the numbers go up, it's very satisfying. And other than that, I leave you all with a very funny tweet that I saw the other day. If you are watching the YouTube, gave proof through the night that our flag was still there and is this Taco Bell, Pizza Hut, and KFC flag. It made me laugh a lot. Uh, go check out my account for more great content like that. Yeah, go follow and I hope everyone enjoyed the holiday in all seriousness. Yeah, I hope everyone, <laughs> hope you guys pounded them glizzies at the holiday. Hope everyone <laughs> had a good time. Watch some baseball, ate some hot dogs, mm-hmm. and drank some mm-hmm. beer. At Creator Thomas 24 for the personal account or look up Lockdown Diamondbacks both Twitter and Instagram. Another week. Another draft, another crossover with Javier Reyes of Lockdown Padres. Until next week, sir. Deuces.